Hello, everybody. Welcome back into Talk Off. It is Tuesday, August 1st. Chris, it is the trade deadline. It is here. We're talking to you from hours in the past, but when people listen to this, it's it's over. It's basically over. It's today. And this weekend was a great weekend. So many moves being made. Teams like Texas coming out as winners, teams like Toronto coming out as winners, and it's not over for us. We still have another day of this. 5 p.m. trade deadline hits. Chris, are we going to see a lot more moves, you think? I think we're going to see a lot more moves. I don't think – I think the – specifically, I don't think the Mets are quite done just yet. It appears as of now the only official trade that's happened is – Mark Hanna to the Brewers for a, a the, their 30th overall prospect in the system, which is, I believe, a right-handed pitcher. Who gives a fuck about his name? Um, Poor guy. Um, yeah, whoever they got, don't care. Literally, don't do, do not care who you are. Um, Probably never going to put on a Mets uniform. Nope. Uh, and then it sounds like Tommy Pham is going to be moved over to the, uh, New York Yankees. The big move, obviously of the weekend was the Texas Rangers acquiring Max Scherzer and in return, the Mets receive Ronald Acuna's younger brother, who is a shortstop. So this is awesome. The Mets are going to, yeah, this is awesome. The Mets are going to play four shortstops in the infield in the next two years. Um, so yeah, no, this, this rebuild is off to a fire start. We're great fire sale, a million infielders in the system. Could not be going better. Zach. (laughs) All right. Yeah. Let's dive into this trade because of course, Daz is Mets. We, we knew they were going to make moves. They should have been sellers, and they and they did. They sold Max Scherzer to the Texas Rangers, and they get a very good prospect, a top 50 prospect in baseball. They are paying a lot of his salary, I think like $30 million. Which I'd like there. to say I called, by the way. Yeah. I called, yeah. On this, I called on this podcast that if Verlander or Scherzer was going to be traded, we'd be eating a shit ton of the money on the contract, which we are. Yeah. They absolutely are, but that's what the good part when you have Steve Cohen is, yep. you know, he he doesn't mind doing that to bolster this farm system, which is what he's after right now. Clearly, the team's not working. He's selling pieces, and he's saying, I'll throw in a little extra cash if you give me a little bit better prospect. So they go after Luis Angel Acuna, very, very good shortstop prospect. This is a, a 45 stolen base guy right now in, in uh, a double A, I believe. A lot of people think he's pretty close. I think it's hilarious that the Braves are so far in the Mets in the Mets' heads that they have to go get Acuna's brother because they just all they, they just strive to be, be the Braves. They want to be the Braves. And I guarantee you Steve Cohen can see the marketing in the future. Acuna is going up against Acuna for the NL East title. Like he, it's, he's going to fucking love that. But when you look at it on a, on a, just on paper, this is a great trade for the Mets. I know when we first talked about it, me and you, I was not a fan of it. I didn't really like it. I think they could have gotten more. Now that I've thought about it, looked at like the, all the numbers and stuff, when you really think about it and you take the names out of everything, this is a great trade for the Mets because they're trading a pitcher who has a 4-0 ERA, whose velocity is down a tick on every single pitch, who has looked terrible this year for a top 50 prospect in baseball, who has the potential to hit 15 to 20 home runs, steal 50 bases, bat almost like 275, 280, and play a great infield for you. I think the Mets got away with one right here. I honestly like I think they got a very good prospect for someone who ensures or who to be honest, they weren't going to do anything with. Texas gets their starting pitcher that they desperately need and the Mets get a very good prospect. Yeah, Scherzer, I I've been on this side <laughs> of the argument the entire the entire season. Scherzer is not the same as as what he once was. Even last season, honestly, he hasn't looked the same since the wild card start. I know that's not really a good comparison, but 
Scherzer has not looked himself at all this season. The, the slider especially is getting hit a lot harder than I can ever remember. Scherzer getting hit on an off-speed pitch. So this this seems like a fair return, and this is not this is a good trade for the Rangers who needed to make a move, obviously with Degrom on the shelf, and the, the same now with Avaldi going down. This is um this is not a season changing trade for the Rangers in my opinion, but this does get them over the bridge of now we have an established pitcher in the rotation once again. Now now the interesting thing is next year. I don't. I don't know too much of, of the of the specifics of this contract. How much are the Mets on the hook for next year's contract? I was trying to figure it out. Like I was reading a bunch of stuff about it, and I was listening to a bunch of shit about it, and I'm still so confused. All I know, pretty much, is that they're in for like thirty million. I think they're paying next year. Most of the, I think they're paying most of the contract next year, and the Rangers are paying these two months, Got something it. like that. It's like they're on the hook for between twenty-five and thirty-two million dollars, something around there. Yeah, I mean that sounds about right. The contract was steep, and this is what happens when you when you give a guy who's pushing forty all that money. It's you know you're going to have to pay for the back end of the contract, which is not going to pay dividends obviously for Cohen at this rate now uh but I honestly wouldn't even be surprised to see like it I wonder if there's a if there's a way that the Mets can restructure that and still have the Rangers work some of that contract next year I have no idea that is the, the these are uh, problems for people way smarter than us. Yeah. So uh, the Mets, uh, this this was a good trade. I think Verlander, uh, from what I've heard and what I've read, I don't think it's possible for him to get traded at the asking price they currently have for him. Agreed. It doesn't seem possible. Apparently, we're talking an astronomical price tag on Verlander, which is it should he should come with that. Um he should come with that price tag, at least for right now. I mean, the guy over his last seven, eight starts has had a sub one five ERA. So it's, it makes sense. But at some point in the next 24 hours, I think the Mets should really, really consider moving on from him. Cause it's like, at what rate are you going to, you can't be half and half. You can't be one half fire sale and the other half. Let's try to compete in 24. Like at this rate, I'm fine with just blowing the whole roster up and just starting from scratch, which was what we should have done three years ago when Cohen bought the team. Yeah, I think the problem right now with Verlander is is the contract structure because of that vesting option that he has in 25. That's preventing a lot of teams from picking him up because they don't want him in 2025. They want him now and maybe next year. So... I've heard, like, I've read a lot of stuff that's saying that's why a lot of teams are backing out. That mixed with the fact that the Mets want a, a, a big haul for Verlander, which, the, like you said, he absolutely deserves a big haul with how he's been pitching. Obviously, his past experience in the playoffs, you're get, like you're getting a World Series winner. You're getting one of the best pitchers of our generation who doesn't seem to have slowed down at age 40. So uh, I I. I think it's it's definitely a good thing for them to look around, and I, I liked that, that. I liked that I saw that they were shopping him and they were taking calls on him and trying to make a move because why not? It's not like this is a thirty-year-old pitcher that you have locked up for the next ten years. This is a forty-year-old guy who you signed because you thought you were going to the World Series. Clearly, the team isn't like that, so you might as well get rid of him. Uh, the same thing as Scherzer, in my opinion. But if the price is too high, the price is too high. You don't want to get ripped off just because you know you want to sell a lot of pieces and boost, you know, boost your farm system. Yeah, uh, this 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 needs to be. I'm like so torn with with Verlander because I, there's a part of me that really wants to keep him, but then I just think like at, at what rate is it going to benefit us? 
to to hold on to him. And but like, would it even be beneficial to hold on to him for another year and then trade him next year? Like, it just I don't even know at this rate. Yeah, I mean, you run a risk of saving him for another year because of obviously like risk of injury. He could slow down the age and everything, but. I kind of feel like that's what you do. If there's no suitors right now that are going to give you what you think you deserve for Verlander, then just keep him. Because the the worst thing that could happen is they trade him for way under value, and then you're fucked. Yeah. No, it's completely right. If we trade him for way under value, then we're essentially screwing ourselves out of money on one hand, and... Two, screwing ourselves out of players that we should have in our system. Um, right now, the system is insanely depleted from where it was a few years ago. Like the Will Ponds, people give them shit, but they they had the – right at the end of the Will Pond era, there was some good pieces in the system. P. Crow Armstrong. Um, fuck, what's the kid's name from Seattle. Kalenic, yeah, Kalenic. I can't say his so they, name. I mean, Mauricio Alvarez. Those are all like, those are all Wilpon guys. So like, they had the farm system up to where it needed to be. The Cohen era started, and it was just win, win, win. And slowly but surely, the farm system depleted. It did, and and Cohen has. Hopefully, and it looks like, realized that, and he's trying to boost the farm system since the team has not been performing. That's what good owners do. That's what he should be doing. Can I also say that um, when Max Scherzer made those comments about David Robertson getting traded, there was, like, immediately after I saw that that interview, he's getting traded. Like, you knew he was getting traded right after saying that. There was no way. Publicly went out and said, I don't know what direction the team is going in. Has to like you wanted to have a conversation with Billy Epler or or Steve Cohen and uh, yeah Billy Epler said yeah here's your conversation have fun in fucking Arlington well he's Billy Epler I'm a little confused with the way he's handled this whole debacle because like this is not the way I would have handled it at all like it's it doesn't seem like anyone on the team really knows the direction of the team at the moment or what direction they're going in seems like it's very like hush hush right now and i don't know it just it, there's been so many reports like the last year that everyone wants the the brewers guy that's that's going to be a free agent or not the brewers I, mean, like, I guess he's going to technically be a free agent but the brewers gm at the end of the year for baseball ops and and with that without a doubt is going to send billy out of the way so it's it just doesn't seem like there's a direction right now. And it doesn't seem like we're going to get one until we have a director of baseball ops. So I'm really waiting till this off season to really make a full opinion on the direction of the team, because I don't think, I think the direction is probably going to change more than once from now until the new year. Yeah, I'm sure it will. The Mets have a uh, interesting couple years, honestly, to look forward to the next couple years is going to be, Really interesting for Mets fans. Probably a lot of a lot of downs, couple ups, but you get through this, you can get through anything. We've been through a lot, so what's one more? So uh, Texas, after getting Max Scherzer, decided that they weren't done, and they go out the the next day, and they trade for Jordan Montgomery from the St. Louis Cardinals. I actually love this trade more than I like the Scherzer trade for the Rangers. I think Montgomery is going to play a way bigger role. I think he's way more dependable. Uh, like Jordan Montgomery is the definition of just a good pitcher. He's just a good pitcher and he's Mr. Consistent. His like the last three or four years, he has had a between a three, three and a three, five ERA every single year. And he eats innings. This is perfect and exactly what Texas needs because I think the most important thing for Texas right now is, yeah, we need to. They need to boost their their rotation for the playoffs because when it comes to playoffs, pitching is what wins you games. But also, they need to 
get to the playoffs. And I and I obviously they're going to make the playoffs. They they've had an extraordinary season, but Houston is right on their tail in the division. And if they want to go deep in the playoffs, they have to win this division. The wild card is a tough weekend, especially now that it's a three-game set and not one straight game. It's very scary for a lot of these teams to go into wild card weekend because anything can happen in a three-game set. You get a team that even a team that's very top heavy, you got those two starting pitchers top heavy in the rotation, you win that series and now you're you're going on. You're going on to the division series. So I think this is such a key pickup for Texas because I think Jordan Montgomery is more the pitcher that they need to eat innings and carry them to winning this division. Because if they don't win this division, win this division, I'm very scared for Texas because that pitching, even though it is very you know flashy and the names are good, there's a lot of guys there that have struggled with a lot of injuries. Now they add Scherzer to that, another guy who is old as fuck, and he has shown that in the playoffs, his arm gets very tired. So I think it's good to get a, a guy who's pretty much in his prime, has shown that he can be consistent, can pitch a lot of innings for you. I, I love this pickup from Texas, and they didn't really give up too much. Yeah, they didn't really give up too much, and I think that was important for Texas because I really still think they're they're still trying to build through the farm system, which is weird because they're not trying to really sell a lot at this rate. Like you get that sense from them that they're still trying to build through the farm system while utilizing some of their less important pieces to yeah, trade 100%. for others. Yeah. yeah. I think, I think Texas right now is, is showing to everyone why they're, they're a big market team. Because their their farm system is incredible, is incredible for, and they have shown in the past couple of years since pretty much since signing Corey Seager and Marcus Semien three three years ago. What is it now? Three two three years ago? Uh, since, two years two, ago. Two years ago. Yeah. Since doing that, they have shown that they also are absolutely fine spending a shit ton of money. And when you mix, like we said, money doesn't buy money. You can't buy a World Series. But a mixture of money and having a great farm system and a great organization is what can win you a World Series. This team is built of guys who have come up in the system and guys that they have bought. Like, I'm very scared of Texas. They had a great couple of days. I honestly, they might not be done. They might, I think they're looking to still add another reliever. So we'll see if they add somebody Maybe Josh else. Hader. But- who the fuck knows what the Padres are doing? I don't. I, I heard that, I've, I've seen that Soto and and Hater are on the block. I feel like every day I see that they're on the block, and then the next day I see that they're no, not anymore. And then I then they lose a game, and they're like, no, they're back on the block. Like I really don't know what they're doing. My guess is they do absolutely nothing, and they sit on everyone. Yeah, that's that. That would seem like something the Padres would absolutely do. I I think if I was the Rangers, I mean you have you have a lot of your window might not be as wide as you think for especially right now because the way they're playing, like the way that the front office has treated this season in terms of getting Degrom, who is over thirty five years old, and now getting Scherzer who's also over 35, it seems like they're pretty much win now. I wonder at what point do they really give away one of those top prospects and go for someone who's going to really throw a headliner up on the news column like a Juan Soto. Like I personally could, don't think they're going to do it. I really don't. Which is which is shocking the way because the way that they're managing right now makes it seem like they're, they're win now for this year. All in. Chips. Here we go. Yeah, I feel like it's. I feel like it's more of a let. We're gonna win in the next ten years. Like I, I feel like Texas is more building the start of something because uh, because of that farm system. Because they have a top five system right now, and don't forget they just had the they just drafted White Langford fourth overall in this draft. So that's another guy that you add to that farm system. He's going to be a top five in their system right away. So like I think what they're doing is 
just showing that they're going to have long-term success because they are spending money and that they're building the farm at the same time. They've done a great job in the past couple of years of getting, I don't know if they're just getting lucky in the draft. I mean, drafting Kumar Rocker and Jack Leiter in the same draft and now lucking out with Wyatt Langford this year. It's just like all signs are pointing to Texas. Like everything is up for Texas. They're making all the right moves right now. And I think it's really important for them to make another move and just further cement themselves as the team to be in the AL. Yeah, I think, I think they're a move or two away from being that team where you look at them and you're saying, this is the best team in the American league roster wise, top to bottom. I am really interested to see what Baltimore does before tomorrow's deadline. I think Baltimore should be a player for Justin Verlander. If there was ever to be one, I think it would be Baltimore who would be able to meet that asking price with all of the loaded chips they have in their farm system. It's kind of like we said with the Rangers. Is it something that they're willing to give up for some somebody who is a set? I mean, I know Justin Verlander isn't a rental, but you can kind of look at his productivity as a rental status. Yeah, and there's no question that the Orioles are the team that everybody's been looking to to make the big splash since the beginning of trade talks, and they have yet to do anything of interest. So I- I'm officially calling them idiots, and they won't make a move. They will lose in the playoffs, and everyone will call for everyone's head in the office of the general manager because the the fact that they still have yet to make a move makes no sense to me. There's not that much left out on the table right now. They have, they got what Fujinami and they, a reliever, I think I don't remember, but yeah, they haven't made a lot of noise. Nothing. They've done nothing. What do you do? This you're, you're a game and a half up on the AL East right now. This is the time to add. And they still are not doing anything, and I refuse to believe that they're actually trying to win. Yeah, that is. I, I'm looking. I'm looking through these trades now, and the movement that I'm getting from a lot of the other teams are is teams are willing to make deals at a reasonable price, and I don't know if teams if Baltimore calls a lot of teams if they're just gonna off the bat start with an egregious asking price for a lot of these players because they know Baltimore can make some of these trades just kind of, I guess the real question is how desperate are they to make a trade? Yeah, I guess I I just personally do not understand how you can just like, look at your team, look how they're playing, look at your spot right now and how you don't add, how are you not adding even the Rays, like the Rays, they just added Aaron Savali today, like two hours ago. That's a great addition for them. We've been saying that they, they're they going to need starting pitching help because their rotation is so volatile, you never know who's going to get hurt. They add Aaron Savali, who's had a fantastic year for the Guardians. They gave up Kyle Manzardo, who's actually one of the top prospects in, in the Rays system. A lot of people really like this guy. But the Rays are doing it. They're like, oh, we need someone. Let's go get him. The Orioles need a starting pitcher. And besides Verlander, who's sort of on the market, and Eduardo Rodriguez, who is like the last good pitcher to go, there's everyone else is taken. Like there's there's not really many other guys that they can go after unless somebody changes their mind. Like we've seen Seattle today, they've come out and said they're they're kind of selling. They just sold sold Paul Seawald to the Arizona Diamondbacks. Maybe you can go try to poach a pitcher from them, but the odds are they're not giving up any any of those two young guys. Robbie Ray's hurt, so he ain't getting traded, and they just locked up Luis Castillo. So uh, there's not many places you can go to get a pitcher right now, and the Orioles haven't made a move. If I'm them, I'm calling Billy Epler right now, and I'm saying, take your pick. Who do you want? And go from there and get Justin Verlander. They need a starter. Yeah, and I think this this makes complete sense for the Orioles if your mindset is win this year. If it's win in the long term and sustained success, I don't know if you really want to go after uh, a guy like that. Like, Yeah, it, then go trade for Cease. Do something. Right, yeah. Dylan Cease is still on the market. 
I have an interesting an interesting one that I bet uh, that no one's talking about, but somebody that I've always thought could be persuaded into a trade. So obviously we know the Philadelphia Phillies are seven games above 500, and they are currently a half game out of the wild card right now. I wonder if you were Baltimore and you gave the Phillies a call. Aaron Nola is in his contract year right now, and he's not performing anywhere near Aaron Nola standards. I wonder if you threw some crazy prospects at them, if the Phillies would jump on it for Nola. Because he's I not pitching it. like an ace. I doubt it only because they're a half game out of the wild card. And if you look at the teams above them, <coughs> excuse me, I think Dave Dombrowski looks at those three teams above him and he's like, this is stupid. And he can see him. He's there. Like in my mind, they're making the playoffs. I think they're, they're a much better team than Milwaukee. I think they're a much better team than Miami. I also think they're a much better team than San Francisco. I'm surprised Dave Dombrowski hasn't added, really. I think it would be interesting if if the Phillies were, you know, five games back. I think then then we would be having definitely having a conversation about it. And that's someone who I honestly completely forgot his contract was up after this year and he was going to be a free agent. If they were bad, he would be going because you're right, he has not been pitching like the ace that he should be. Yeah, but I've been pitching like the ace, and this is this is a uh, this is a contract year for him. So I I wonder what a next year contract negotiation between him and the Phillies is going to look like. Yeah, me too. Because I, I've heard, I'm pretty sure that at the beginning it has not gone well. That like they they tried to have contract extension talks, and it was not the best. They were not on the same page, which. It's not surprising because Aaron Nola is kind of a, a volatile pitcher. You don't really know what you're going to get because especially he's not helping his case this year and there, he's his price is just going down and down and down and he's killing his stock, which is just really unfortunate because he would have got paid like an ace pitcher and now he's probably going to get paid like a, a solid two. Yeah, no, he's going to, he, he definitely lost a lot of money this week or excuse me, this year. And I I wonder if the Phillies, what their long-term plan is for a guy like that. No idea. Yeah. I have, I have no clue. Um, the, the king of the trade deadline, the, uh, the absolute king, the, the man himself. If you need a bat, you call him, you call the team that he's on. Carlos Santana got traded to the Milwaukee Brewers. I love Every year, there's one guy who gets traded, and you just know that he's going to get traded because he gets traded every. It's like Carlos Santana was always one of those guys. I feel like um, who's the other one I'm thinking of? Fuck, I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think. I always guess him for fucking immaculate grid. Nelson Cruz, Nelson Cruz is always that guy that just gets traded at the deadline because people need a bat. I think it's hilarious and hot take, probably not that hot. Milwaukee's missing the playoffs. <coughs> Cuz they suck. You know, I you know what's you know what's really interesting to me is that did you see how much Arizona gave up for Paul Seawald. I did. That's a lot. I know. I, it is. And I don't know. I, I'm confused about Arizona because they've been playing so bad that they definitely needed to add, but closer. Like uh, they de- they needed relief pitching. That there was no question. They definitely needed relief pitching. Maybe they won't pitching. use him and, in a closer role. Maybe. Yeah, know. but like they definitely needed relief pitching, and and get, getting Paul Seawall definitely helps that. I'm not saying that he's a very good relief pitcher, but you're two and eight. The bats have been horrid. The pitching has been eh. Like I think you needed to add something besides Paul Seawall because a a two and eight skid right before the deadline is killer 
for teams. Absolutely killer. They are out of the playoffs right now, and, and they're behind the Phillies. That's how bad they've been playing. It's yeah. almost looking like the division is out of hand because of how well the Dodgers have been playing, and, and they added again, getting Lance Lynn from the White Sox. So I, I don't really see how adding a Paul Seawald onto the Arizona Diamondbacks makes that them that much better that they're going to now get a push and make the playoffs. It's it, it doesn't feel like this is the push for a playoff move that the Diamondbacks need. It almost set, feels like it sets them back in terms of like I don't know, it feels like you you can go out and get someone like Paul Seawald for a lot cheaper than this. I just yeah, it I just like think it was move. It was just weird, right? I I closer was not just not what I expected Arizona to go after. I thought that like maybe an outfielder, maybe a starter, but close like you get a closer when you're one of the best teams in baseball, like you're a top five team in baseball and you're like, we need a closer to lock down in the world series. That's when you go out and get a closer. Seriously. Like even, even the Marlins getting David Robertson, great trade for the Mets, but what do you need David Robertson for? Yeah, seriously. And it was, I was happy they took him off our hands because I I think in this, the the current market with all these relievers who are available, like high end. So like Seawald, I think is like a mid range. I think Robertson falls into that mid range. And then you have like Hader, who's obviously on the block. So I I think, I I really think the Mets got a good deal for him because he's an older guy. uh, And it's not that appealing of a, of a reliever at this rate. I mean, sure. He's, he's pitched well, but that can change instantly. Yeah. And Miami had reliever problems. I understand why they did it. Cause they have problems, a lot of problems in the bullpen, but like Miami, you need a bat. You need someone to hit the fucking ball. That's not named Luisa rise or Jorge Soler. That would be a lot more helpful. Yeah, Absolutely. I want to talk about Toronto for a second because they get Jordan Hicks from St. Louis. Obviously this it's the St. Louis fucking fire sale. Everyone's going. And there's something about Toronto that I just, I, I can't get out of my head because this team to me is like one of the best teams in the AL. I don't care what their record says. I, I, I just think like this should be the team to be in the AL, and I love that they added Jordan Hicks because they needed help in the bullpen. Jordan Romano just went down with an injury, so you don't know how long he's going to be out. Jordan Hicks fills the hole that they just got until Romano comes back, and then you go Hicks in the eighth, Romano in the ninth. That is locked down at the end of games. Toronto, I, I feel like the bats have been like okay this year. But I really feel like they're going to come alive. I don't know why, but like Toronto, I think they're going to make a huge playoff push and almost scare for the division. I don't know why, but I, I'm just feeling it. Yeah, Toronto is. Toronto puts themselves in a weird place. Now, they do get Jordan Hicks, which pre, like, he's been good in years past. We know that. They're just in a weird spot right now, and not a lot on not a lot of teams can really say they're in the exact same spot as the Toronto Blue Jays. Toronto is creeping up on sixty wins, five and a half out of the division, currently currently holding uh, the third spot in the American League Wild Card, but they're only two and a half out. Or excuse me, Boston is only two and a half out of that, so Boston could theoretically jump into that last wild card spot, and if you're Toronto and you have such stiff competition ahead of you and at best if you win 100 games you're going to be the third wild card team do you really want to do you really push forward or like more into this deadline or do you are you satisfied with what you have now obviously this Jordan Hicks trade doesn't really put them over the water I mean over the edge but it's it's a start I just don't really know where they go from here 
Yeah, I, I think it's definitely a start. If I'm Toronto, I'm not satisfied with just Jordan Hicks. I, I think they need more. I think they need to add another starting pitcher. Now, I just went on the rant about how there's like no starting pitchers left for Baltimore, and there's not really any left for Toronto either. They're be- they're behind the game right now. After Giolito went and after Lynn went and now Montgomery getting traded as well, there's not a lot of very good pitchers on the market right now. If I'm them, I'm on the phone with Detroit every day saying, what do I have to do to get Eduardo Rodriguez? Because Toronto, just they need another starting pitcher. I feel like we've been... I've been saying this nonstop for the last couple months. Since Alec Manoa is not that guy anymore, they have Gosman, and then who goes game two? Barrios? That's not okay. Who goes game three? Kikuchi? That's not okay. Toronto needs to add another arm, preferably someone who is maybe controllable. Because if I'm Toronto, I'm not looking at just this year. Like this team is going to be good for several years, so I wouldn't be surprised if they went after a, after a controllable arm, maybe a Justin Verlander. I don't think they have the prospects to do it, but that would be pretty cool. I just think Toronto needs to add an arm because if they're going to really step it up and try to make that push and maybe scare Baltimore and get into the playoffs, and you know, like like the teams behind them, they're coming. The Yankees. They just got Aaron Judge back. Boston's playing a pretty good ball. Like, there's teams right behind them that could come get that. So, if I'm Toronto, I'm not satisfied. I need to keep adding. I they need a starting pitcher. They really do need a starting pitcher. And like you mentioned earlier in the show, guys like Dylan Cease still on the market. Verlander, I mean, they haven't been linked to him, but there's there's guys out there. It just depends on whether they want to make a move on them or not. Yeah, it all depends on like how much they're really willing to give up. I don't really know what they're willing to give up. They don't really have much to give up. The farm system over there in Toronto is not the best, but I just think they need to do something if if they want to keep this going because you know, they're 6 and 4 in their last 10. They still they've been playing very good baseball since pretty much the All-Star break. In the second half, they've been playing very good. So, if they want to keep it up, if they don't want to just die in the dog days of the end of August and September, they need to add another pitcher. And we'll see what happens. They're still they still got another day to do it, but there's not much out there really for them to go for anymore. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. There's it's depleting by the day, or excuse me, by the hour, and uh, the chances of them making a splash in the starting pitching market is slowly, slowly walking away from them. So. Zach and I have to keep our ears peeled on that one. We will. You know what I was thinking? Like, who even, who is even left? Like, who is, who has not gotten traded that we expect to get traded? I think it's hilarious that Tim Anderson hasn't been traded yet. I, I, I think it must be that legit nobody wants him because he's been so bad. Who is left? That's a great question. Like, obviously, in terms of pitchers or to everyone? Everyone. I mean, I still think a team could be swayed to I, – I still think, like, there's a part of me that 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 says that the Angels are not going to trade Otani, but that they're still probably taking phone calls on them. People are probably still calling about him. I don't think so. I wouldn't be surprised. I think you could get someone like the Dodgers. I think if the Dodgers were aggressive enough – I know they said that they don't want to trade for him, but I, I think it could be I, so easy to trade to talk the Angels into getting rid of him. I don't think rate. so. They just added. They 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 keep adding. And that is a fair point. I, I just there's a part of me that just feels like it's. I mean, I, we all know how stupid it is for them to keep him, considering that they're probably not going to be able to afford him next year. But yeah. anyway. I I I know, I know what you mean, but I just like after adding you know Giolito and now today adding Grichuk and CJ Crone from Colorado, I really don't think that that they would could be swayed. I think no, they're just true. trying to they're they're just going for it. You know, four games out of the wild card right now. There's still a late push that could happen, but like we keep saying, it's it's really not going to happen without Mike Trout. So until they get him back, they're really just trying to stay afloat. 
hundred percent. I mean, you guys, and like we said, the Padres, Soto, Hader, Snell, those guys are available for trade. So there's there could be a move there. Uh, the Giants weirdly are buyers, so that's interesting. <laughs> it's just weird. I I bet you the Cubs weirdly are buyers. Apparently, yeah. they're not selling Bellinger and Stroman anymore. That's that kills this deadline. Like seeing where Bellinger might go, like seeing where Bellinger was going to go. Cause it was a hundred percent almost that he was going to get traded. And then seeing maybe if Stroman went somewhere because the extension talks haven't been great, but no, the Cubs are now buyers. They just got a uh, Jamer Candelario who a lot of people were saying was the best bat on the market. He's had a great season for Washington, but why are the Cubs like the Cubs? Why? Like, I'm sorry. Yes, they've won like eight in a row. They won seven in a row. They lost yesterday, but they're, I guess they're three and a half out of the wild card. I'm surprised that they're buying, but that's what happens when you get on a hot streak right before the deadline. Yeah, 100%. The, the hot streak before the deadline could sway a lot of teams into doing some things that they probably shouldn't be doing, but we'll do anyway. I mean, I mean, we we've been preaching how important it is to play really good right before the deadline because that's how you you show your team that you're gonna push for the playoffs and you find out if you are or you're gonna punt and go for it next year. And we see teams like the Cubs who are playing really, really good. They decide to buy. They say, "We're fuck it. We're not selling Stroman. We're not selling Bellinger." And they go out and get they get Candelario, a third base hole that they was they were desperate for a third baseman in in, in Chicago. But you see a team like Seattle, who is 7-3 over the last 10, been playing okay baseball recently, but they just come out today and they say they're opening to, to trading Ty France and trading Teoscar Hernandez, who they just got. I think that's really interesting. That's really telling for Seattle to be like, yeah, you know, we're four and a half out of the wild card. We've been playing okay, but we're going to sell because – when you look at the AL, it just doesn't look like the teams above people are going to lose. The NL the NL wildcard, while it might not be the big-name teams in the NL wildcard, I think it's the more exciting one because we're seeing almost – like I feel like a lot of these teams are not even out of it. Like Philly's not out of it, Arizona, Chicago. I don't even think San Diego's really out of it if they don't want to be. In the AL, I feel like it's really hard for these teams to overcome this. So I, I think it's just it's going to be really, really interesting when we get down to the wire and we see these teams like Chicago to see if their decision not to sell was a good one or a bad one. Yeah, 100%. I think it's guys like teams like Seattle that were so promising coming into the season, selling has to hurt, but I think they'll be set up for honestly better than they, they were because – I don't think that looking back at that roster, like competitive wise in the AL West, like how the hell are you going to compete with that roster in that division? Yeah. I mean, they were, they were hoping to repeat the magic from last year, but like Ty France has not been the same hitters last year. Julio hasn't been the same hitter. Cal Raleigh hasn't been the same hitter. Tay Oscar, who they just got has been horrific striking out. I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure he strikes out the most of anyone in the entire league. Because he's a true two outcome. He's strikeout or home run, and he hasn't been hitting a lot of home runs. So to see him and Ty France on the market, I'm honestly not surprised. Those are probably two of their most underwhelming players this year. But it's just sad. I was so excited about Seattle before the year, and they proved me very wrong. Yeah, 100%. They are. Uh, last year was a good team, but this year is a little different. It's a it's a lot different, apparently. Fuck Seattle. Wanted them to be good. I know, me too. You got anything else or uh, should we get into some picks? I think I think we should get in some picks. I think that's all I had to say today. Alright, man. Powered by Riverside. We got picks for Tuesday, August 1st. 
I'll start us off. Um, I'm going to go with the hottest team in baseball. I'm going to take the Chicago Cubs playing at home against the Cincinnati Reds. They got Justin Steele on the mound. That's the man they need on the mound when they want to win games. I like Chicago. They're hot. They're going to stay hot, even though the Reds are also hot. But Chicago. I am going to take the Baltimore Orioles on the road against the Toronto Blue Jays. I uh, I just like the pick. I think the Orioles are a lot better of a team, and I trust them. It's Hinge and Ryu's first start back. Yeah, that's also a reason why. Um, we're just going to stick with old reliable. Orioles, Blue Jays, over eight and a half. I, I really like that pick, like a lot. Really? Yeah. Good. I think it's definitely ahead. hitting. Let's go. Uh, roulette. I can do it today. All right, balls. I am pulling it up right now. Um, you take your time. Me and Jake will just be sitting here having a nice conversation. Jake, how was your day? It was pretty good. What'd you do? Did some work, went to the range. Not much else. Okay, number. Oh, cool. Numbers? Um, 32. If it helps, I just, the, the last number was 20 that I hit. 32. Okay. I'm getting I'm off taking, of Jake's I'm, numbers. I'm taking lucky number seven. Jose Reyes. Mm-hmm. Carmelo Jake. Anthony. 15. 15, you said? Yep. All right, we are spinning. I'm going to hit this time. I feel it. I'm so oh, due. It's me. No, I'm so fucking due. Oh, eight. Oh. Oh. I thought it said zero for a second. I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Uh, the zero is green. Yeah, way. I know. I'd realize that after. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. I saw I saw the two green pieces on the other side of the uh, wheel. So, should we do another one? Let's do another one. Yeah, let's do another one. All right, new numbers or same? New numbers. Ten. Okay. Eight. <laughs> Actually, six, six. 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 Thirty-six. All right, so six, thirty-six, and ten. No, I'm switching to zero. Okay, zero. Okay, zero, six, and thirty-six. Here we go. I kind of want to switch to one, but. No, you can't switch now. Now it's too late. Yeah, I know. 25. Fuck. I was going to pick 25. Should we do another one? Yeah, one more. One more. <laughs> one, one more. more. One, more, one, more. Yeah, one more. I want to hit it so bad. 16. Okay. 16. 16. I'm going to stick with 6 again. I'm going to stick with, stick with 36. All right. 6, 16, and 36. Here we go. Here we, here go. we go. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Come on come on, come on. come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Nine. Fuck. God. Statistically, the more... One more, one more. We're going one more, one more, one more, one more, one more, one more. I'm going to go... I'm going six again. I'm staying with six. 31. 28. Six, 28, and 31. Let's see, fellas. Let's see, let's see. Spinning, spinning, spinning. Come on, come on, come on. What is that? Twelve. What the fuck? Twelve was my other number I was going to pick. <laughs> this shit's rigged. NBA rigged. One more? Should I do one, one more? One, one more. more. One this one is more. it. This is literally right. it. This is literally the last one I'm doing. Shout out the Temple jersey. I'm doing number 20. I'm sticking with six. Give me five. <laughs> Spin number five. Here we go. Come on, 20. Come on, baby. Come Six, on. Six, five, and 20. All right, here we go. It's going to be 20. It's going to be seven. It's gonna 15. Be 15. No. <laughs> uh, so me and Jake together, we won. Yeah. No. no. Minus. Me minus Jake. All right, this is the absolute last one. I need to. I need. 
This is the, the absolute last one. Last one. Okay, sticking okay. with six. Three. Oh, 15. <laughs> six, oh, three, and 15. Back to back. Oh my god, what did it hit? 13! Fuck! Oh, I thought it was 15. This is stupid. This is dumb. Alright, I'm putting money on black. Spinning. (laughs) See if it hits. If it's red, then you have to... It's red! It's red! It's red! Stop (laughs) in the podcast. It's literally... It's red. It's it's red 18. All right, thanks everybody for listening. One more, one more, one more, one more, one more. Okay, black, 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 black. Come on, it's red. Red twenty one. All right, it has to hit black, right? Now? It has to. Spinning again. It has to hit. It has to hit. Stop. Okay, it hit. It hit. It hit. It hit. It hit. Thank God. Okay. Now you're done. Now I'm done. Now I'm done. Okay. Now I'm going to go play blackjack. (laughs) All right, we're going to end the podcast. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll see you all on Friday for another episode. Wrapping up the trade deadline and talking about who is the big winners after the deadline tomorrow at 5. Thank you all. We love you all, and we will see you Friday. Deuces.